Hello and welcome to another podcast of uh, online-sobt.com. Today we have with us a guest, we have Ryan. Ryan is a colleague of mine. We've worked for a long time and uh, he's coming to talk to us about ADHD. So I'm going to let him introduce himself. So Ryan, hi, thank you for joining us. Hi. So tell, hi us about, tell us about you, uh, tell us about your area of expertise. So thank you very much for having me on. Uh, I've probably, I've done a couple of podcasts before and I'm probably more nervous about this one because um, we know each other. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I'll try my best and uh, to, to get it across to you. Uh, my name is Ryan Williams. I'm a registered mental health nurse. I'm an independent nurse prescriber and I currently specialize in ADHD in CAMS, which is Child Adolescent Mental Health Services. Um, it's a very, very busy clinic for us uh, where I work. Um, and yeah, uh, we met each other, Jaime, back in 2009 mm-hmm. on an yeah. adult acute inpatient unit. We did, um, we did. Back, yeah, in the, back in the time when I was a healthcare support worker and you were yeah. um, uh, a, nurse, a registered uh, nurse. Yeah, well, I'm still a registered nurse. It's uh, sort of more specializing sort of OCD, intrusive thoughts, trauma, CBT, MDR. So what it does, uh, so you mentioned about CAMS, which is the child and adolescence. What is a nurse prescriber? What does that do? Um, so I did uh, the independent nurse prescribing um, course going back probably about two years ago now. Um, so it just gives me the ability to prescribe uh, medications that is uh, within my field of practice. Um, so previously worked at a GP surgery, it was antidepressants then, uh, and currently in CAMS it is still antidepressants and now uh, ADHD medications, which mm-hmm. I guess we'll talk about a bit later on, but the uh, majority of them are stimulant medications. Uh, okay, so. okay, so we'll go, we'll, we'll go into more detail about what, what sort of medications and so on. So, um, so we're doing this podcast, someone asked about it. So I thought, well, someone asked, I, I don't have much idea. An opportunity for me to learn. So, I was wondering if you could let us know about. Tell us about more about ADHD. First of all, how what does it stand for? So, uh, ADHD is Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder. Um, ADHD is a neurodevelopmental uh, disorder that affects both children and adults, uh, and it is a persistent pattern of inattention and or hyperactivity and impulsivity. Um, that usually interferes with um, daily living and development. Um, so you'd notice that I said uh, there uh, usually is uh, inattention and or hyperactivity and right, impulsivity. Okay. Um, you can get the inattentive subtype. Um, some people call it ADD, um, but it's generally under the umbrella term of ADHD, and you can get the inattentive subtype, you can get the hyperactive and impulsive subtype, or you can get the combined subtype. Um, and then I'm, usually, lovely. So let me let me the, let the, me stop. Let me stop you yep. there before we go. So when we're talking about um, sort of for people, perhaps that they obviously did come in mental health for a long time. When we think about subtypes, we are thinking about the DSM-5 or the ICD-10, right? Mm-hmm. Or yeah, 11, absolutely. it's come up 11, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So uh, we, we're sort of thinking about diagnostics. And that's mm-hmm. sometimes what it means is that there is a diagnostic criteria. And then we, we sort of likewise in depression, the major depression, and then anxiety disorders. And then you can go panic disorder, social anxiety disorder, and so on. So you mentioned that it comes under the same umbrella and then the subtype is when you don't have the hyper, uh, when you do have it or when you don't have it. So uh, some people ha- are just inattentive. That's what they struggle with, which is right. the, the inability to, to focus or manage tasks, uh, organize tasks, can be very forgetful, um, can struggle to, to focus and zone out quite a bit. Um, other people w- will be kind of hyperactive, hyperactive and impulsive. So uh, the inability to sit in, still in the chair and um, some people get very restless and then impulsive. Um, maybe uh, what we see in, in, in children is uh, leaving the class or getting up and talking to other people and, and sort of, you know, um, just being very hyperactive. So 
Uh, it's a, it's a, quite a broad spectrum of symptoms, and some people have a mixture of both. Some people just have the inattention. Some people just have the hyperactivity, uh, but the majority of people have both. Okay, and then you mentioned uh, sort of uh, you said uh, neurodevelopmental. Mm-hmm. So what sort of what, what does that mean, and how? Um, so uh, you know, is it you know what, what does that mean? What are the reasons that one may have ADHD, or or one may be sort of more prone, or, or what 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 is about that? So um, I guess that's, there's two questions in there. I think the first one uh, you said neurodevelopmental. What that really means is that the development of the brain is. Um, is, is affected. So it's a neurodevelopmental disorder. And in people with ADHD, the reasons why they will they might have this disorder is because certain structures of the brain uh, are maybe smaller in areas uh, and not um, as efficient as, as other brains to um, have like the upregulation of two important um, uh, Two, two important neurotransmitters like dopamine and uh, norepinephrine. Um, I always struggle with that word. <laughs> um, but so um, that's one of the reasons why they might have ADHD is that their brain structures are generally smaller. So it, it, we talk about some of the risk factors with ADHD. One of them is genetic. We know that it's a f- strong yeah. family link um, for people with ADHD. It usually runs in families. Um, some studies have been able to identify um, several genes that, that may um, result in, in ADHD, but they haven't been able to kind of pinpoint one that right. solely okay. causes it. So the, okay. the genetics generally might be that they follow the same brain structure as their parents and their grandparents and those before them. Um, uh, other factors might be um, that the environmental um, so exposure to certain toxins um, during pregnancy, low birth weights can be a big risk okay. for people with ADHD. Oh, that's really interesting. Uh, and, I didn't realize. Um, uh, the mum may be uh, smoking during, during pregnancy okay. um, and low birth weight. They okay. are their risk factors in, uh, in ADHD. And interestingly as well, there's studies to show developmental uh, factors. So... There, there was this um, study, I, I get it mixed up where it was, I'm sure it was a Portuguese, um, a Portuguese orphanage, I'm sure it was Portuguese, um, and uh, what they did, they did a study, and it was over 500 um, orphans, uh, and they looked at ADHD, and what they found was, if they were, if they were t- put into a different, taken out of their environment, uh, prior to their second birthday, they had a less likelihood of having ADHD if their family had it. Uh, but if they were beyond their second birthday, they had a high likelihood of developing ADHD later on in their life. Oh. So this research shows that it's uh, it, it, environmental factors can so we could be sort, sort of learned, learned or uh, copy behavior, copy behavior, but sort of reputation. Oh, yeah. that's really interesting. So I, it's also linked to that sort of generational, right? So that that uh, transgenerational, perhaps learned behavior or or sort of traumatic events before the age of two. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And that you touched on it there perfectly. It's usually traumatic and stressful environments for people can be. Uh, something that goes on to cause at a very young age goes on to cause somebody to have ADHD and I think one of the one of the other points to bring up as well is actually your gender can increase your risk of having ADHD Um, ADHD uh, is seven to one uh, male to female seven to one in childhood um, and two to one in adults so two to one in adults Mm -hmm. and seven to one in so what, what does that mean so uh, seven boys to one girl uh, ah. have been diagnosed with ADHD during okay. childhood and two men compared to one female, female. Uh, wow. in adulthood. Could be the fact that more of the boys have been diagnosed when they were younger. That's why the statistics are changing in adulthood because they've already got a diagnosis. Could be the first okay. factor. 
but a second kind of factor is, and there's a big chunk of research on this, um, that women aren't notoriously harder to identify ADHD because they tend to be more of the inattentive subtype. Um, men are much more impulsive anyway. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. So uh, you, you tend to find that it's harder to, to diagnose them, but also there's a big uh, bit of research going on at the moment that premenopausal women are being diagnosed with ADHD because um, the, the hormonal changes. Um, so when estrogen levels drop, estrogen is involved in the upregulation of dopamine. Dopamine is a neurotransmitter. Uh, and basically what it does is sends messages to different areas of the brain that, um, that, that helps us be able to organize tasks, uh, regulate our mood and emotions, mm-hmm. uh, short-term memory and things like this. So it's, uh, it's heavily involved in uh, right. ADHD. So the, <laughs> um, the hormonal factor of women and their, their estrogen levels dropping when they're premenopausal uh, is causing them to be identified with ADHD. Oh, and I'm, I'm wondering if it's uh, then, um, maybe the research there, but uh, the link between what, um, what the upbringing was, right? What was the family, was it was a family link as well, or it sort of add, uh, it, it comes because of the hormonal change rather than the, the historical events? Yeah, and I think, so the history of ADHD is, uh, it's been spoken about in literature since the 1800s. Oh. Uh, literally, okay. it, it's been okay. spoken about. And only until the 1970s was it understood that it, followed through into adulthood and the adults could have ADHD. Up until 1970, it was considered a childhood disorder. Um, lots of people of those generations will say, it's just naughty kids, isn't it? It's just naughty people, it's yeah. just naughty kids. Um, uh, and yeah, it's, it's a, a big generation kind of, it's, a, it's to be honest with you, it's got a, uh, it's a bit of a taboo topic. Still people yeah. now will say, what is ADHD? Does it exist? Is it real? Yeah. Isn't it just people being naughty and impulsive? And isn't it an excuse for behaviors? It's all of these kind of negative things around ADHD. Yeah. And, and that is apparent right throughout its history to be spoken about in the late 1800s, but not even considered in adulthood until the 1970s and included mm-hmm. in the DSM um, and the ICD, I think oh, it was way yeah. back. So I can't can't recall the number yeah. but was included in the early 1980s um, mm-hmm. what we do know now is that 80 percent of people with adhd uh, if you've got adhd as a child you will have uh, adhd uh, as an adult 80 percent likelihood yeah. it's Although, two things two things in touching there Mm-hmm. I'm coming to me. One is that uh, sort of perhaps uh, taboo or not spoken. And uh, if you think back when we started working together, that's uh, when I started to work in mental health, 2005, um, then 2009. But you can back 2009, people was uh, there was not as spoken as it is now. And this is a cha- it's a very when you think in the big picture from 2009 till now. Is not really a large amount of time in the bigger picture of what we know, if you think from ADHD. And likewise with men, are now more open about mental health. They're approaching services, they're approaching um, mental health more. Uh, yet, when it comes to ADHD, that barrier is still there. Right? 100%, yeah. It's, exactly. it's, quite, it's quite curious. And another thing that I'm touching is, is you mentioned about Nordicates, right? You mentioned about disruptive or, or, or problematic. And then I'm thinking, um, is it very structured school, right? So if you think about the school, we are meant to be sitting, doing quietly and very uniform, very like, not all the schools, but the majority of them. And of course, if you have a bit of more, if you're chatty or you like jumping or running, has never going to fit in, isn't it? Yeah, as no, a, you'll be always seen as disruptive, and it's it's really, um, it's really unfair, isn't it? Certainly yeah, no, unfair. definitely. And you know, actually, some of the things that I like to say to my patients who are who, who are young children, so you can get diagnosed uh, with ADHD from the age of five. By the time they're referred and stuff after five, it's usually we see them around seven. And my patients will be anywhere from that age up until 18. Um, and 
what I always try to get across to them, and, and quite often they tell me I'm the first person to say this to them, is that we want to talk about ADHD, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. And the disorder is in the name as if it's like something bad to have, uh, something negative, when actually to have ADHD can be a really good thing. Some of the most creative people in the world have ADHD where, uh, you know, ADHD mm. can have lots of positives. You, you could be a better problem solver than someone else because you see some, you see it a different way. Um, with uh, um, ADHD, we have, you know, um, maybe the inattention, but actually if it's your specialist area, if you have a specialist topic, you can actually hyper-focus in ADHD. Oh. So if you find your specialist topic, you can really use your drive, your energy, your enthusiasm to really hyper-focus into that, into that area. Uh, and as I just said, you, you are more energetic. You are more yeah. enthusiastic with things when you really, really like them. And actually um, going through school with ADHD and being told, you know, that you're disruptive and that you're, you know, this, that and the other, maybe being branded the naughty child it can give you much more determination and resilience uh, and yeah just comes with the disorder you are better able to multitask so they're the really positive aspects of having adhd it, it yeah. can it, be a really and, good it, thing. and it sounds similar to the conversation when it was back uh, i don't know a few years ago many years ago about dyslexia right mm -hmm. and then it turns out that actually dyslexic people can do the same or more or they have a different way of thinking that perhaps other people don't have. Yeah. And it's, a, it's seen that it's, it's not about, it's about adapting the activity, right? And I take yeah. the ADHD the same. It's about adapting the environment or the activity so to sit, suit the person needs. And Definitely. then you can just excel because you, you know, because you are like everybody else. So yeah. that adaptation. Absolutely. And I think it's, the schools go for like a program approach. You know, it's, it's across the board. Uh, when it should be an individual, like yeah. person-centered approach to yeah. really work on what they're good at. You know, I think certain schools in Australia, um, they have like sports-specific schools. <laughs> you yeah. know, if you're good at sport, you go to a sports-specific school. And yeah. I think um, it's trying to adapt those those things and, and maybe bring them over in, into this country where, you know, you have specialist schools that, you know, you can just go to the subjects that you, you that you're mm. good at that you want yeah. to do that you're enthusiastic about and and maybe you know enhance those skills because i think we we all get the same or most of us get the same education certainly when i was in school um and i could tell you right now geography i was terrible at <laughs> and, I, uh, and i probably needed that more than ever actually as an adult <laughs> my geography skills are terrible but you know things like certain subjects in school and i've just never yeah. used them um when i could have maybe built on what i was good at yeah um, yeah but yeah, it's, yeah i think it's really important though you said there you spoke about dyslexia uh, actually between 40 and 50% of people with ADHD will also have comorbidities, which means you have another disorder, uh, another neurodevelopmental disorder, and that is usually dyslexia, dyspraxia, dyscalcia. Oh. Um, so it, you can have another uh, uh, autism. Sorry, I missed that one off. ODD uh, is another one. So what does um, ODD stand for? Oppositional defiant disorder. Okay. Um, so uh, there's yeah there's a, a, a lot a big cluster of neurodevelopmental disorders and if you have ADHD sometimes or quite often uh, almost half a chance of having another um, uh, neurodevelopmental disorder alongside okay. it which makes things a little bit more complex yeah yeah and you were talking you started to talk about the what you know with this with the right support with the right things around what, what people can excel what, what would be made the other the other flip of the coin right what would be the other where perhaps people don't have the support or they don't have that, that needs met, what would that look like? I think, to be honest with you, it's, it's, it's difficult in, in schools right now, school, in, certainly in our area, um, the school identifies uh, potential ADHD, they do their own um, assessment, they send it on to the, um, to the neurodevelopmental team for assessment, assessments at the moment are between two and a half and five years in oh. Wales. 
So you've got somebody in school, maybe they're showing symptoms of ADHD and it being a, a problem for them, uh, maybe in year seven, by the time they've finished and done their GCSEs, they're being seen to have an assessment of ADHD. So I think access to services is a massive, massive issue for people with ADHD at the moment. I think historically it was a specialist topic and a specialist service for people um, and maybe with just a small amount of clinicians. Um, and I think they've just tried to stay with that same structure. There needs to be more clinicians. There needs to be more awareness. And mm -hmm. certainly when we speak about amongst our colleagues in mental health, um, lots of lots of them unfortunately don't have an understanding of ADHD or the understanding is very limited. So I think just, uh, you know, teaching people and raising that awareness, yeah. I think is beneficial. Let's continue um, professional but, development. I'll ask, yeah. um, so uh, it's come up to my mind, uh, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll put this aside. I'll ask you about the TV program has come up recently, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but we'll put that aside. So yeah, so you're saying long waiting time for the assessment, um, picked up earlier, and then what it happens is that perhaps the needs are not met there, and there's quite a lot of uh, quite a lot of um, process, right? So we know that it's always one person, another person, another referral, and who who ends up taking the referrals. Okay, mm -hmm. okay. Um, how so? How that might look like, though, uh, as a child? Uh, let's, let's focus on the children and, and uh, young people that are your speciality. How does might look like in the school? Yeah, so uh, in school, you might find that, as I was saying earlier on, that they might find it difficult to stay in the seat. Um, they might be impulsive. They might over talk over others. They might interrupt other conversations. Um, they might have a difficulty in staying concentrated or completing just one task at a time. Um, so something might distract them. They go on to something else and there's several um, incomplete uh, tasks okay. um, so it's just gone one from the other sometimes because of um, because of the distraction sometimes because of the boredom um, so yeah you might find in school that um, they, they struggle to listen they're, they're struggling to retain information uh, they're struggling to focus they might something their mates might catch their eye or Maybe they can look out the window and they see something plane in the sky and that, that will catch their attention when they should be focusing yeah. on the question. Sometimes yeah. with ADHD, it's really, really common. You might be speaking to them and actually you can see it in the consultation room. You're talking to them, you're having that conversation. You can just see them, their eyes go off and you just wow. can see by their body language. They've, they've lost yeah. focus. Yeah. It's, inter um, it's interesting. Language is very important. You said they should be doing something else. And then they are expected. I would say they are expected to do something else and they have something more interesting to think about, right? Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, yeah, it's, I think it's really common when we have that. It's been something great what you should be doing in a school, right? Rather yeah. than what you're expected to do, two different yeah. terms, right? No, okay. absolutely, absolutely. And I think, but this is the thing is that then that gets them into trouble in school. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we, we a big part of our our assessment does come from school. Uh, and our ongoing uh, monitoring of the medication to see how effective it is. A big chunk of your um, consultation is from school. So the complete, um, for us, it's, it's called a SNAP rating scale. Yeah. Um, and uh, the teacher uh, completes that. Um, so How, how yeah, does the segment look like? So run us through. So you got the SNAP. How, how does that look like to when it gets to you and how you would assess it then? So uh, I believe from memory, it's uh, 18, yeah, it is 18 questions. Um, I haven't got one in front of me, but I'll give you a couple of examples. Okay. Yeah, that's okay. So it has uh, nine on inattention and nine on hyperactivity and impulsivity. What's, so cover, what's the name of the, I, I might put it in the description. What's the name of the? It's a SNAP four or five rating scale. I believe they're free yeah. online. They should be fine. Four, Otherwise, four, I can five. email you one. Yeah, lovely. Yeah, it's either it's four or five. I can't lovely. really remember. Right. We just call them SNAP rating scales. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So, yeah, they, um, they uh, nine questions on inattention, nine questions on hyperactivity and impulsivity. Um, so it covers the core symptoms of ADHD. Um, and it will give you questions like, um, a rating scale, so to say, often fidgets and finds it difficult to stay in the seat when expected to be to be um, sitting. 
um, and then you would put uh, not very often, uh, often or very often, and you right. would then score these. Um, so right. it's three for very often or all of the time. Uh, it's um, two for um, for very often. It's one for um, a little bit, and it's zero for not at all. Not at so all. it, right. and then you you um, add those up over the nine um, uh, symptoms. And then uh, what happens is uh, you score that. It's based out of 27 uh, for each, so 27 uh, for inattention and 27 for hyperactivity and impulsivity. Uh, and uh, we start scoring them at 13 as clinically significant. Right. So uh, if 13, you score below 13. 13 each, 13. Yeah. So 13 if, you, if it's below 13, uh, if, it, if the person sco scores below 13, it means symptoms are not clinically significant. Right. Okay. If it's above 13, then it goes mild. So it's mild up until 17, beyond 17 to 21, it's moderate. And then from 21 to 27, it's severe symptoms. And that's how okay. we look at the symptoms and the effectiveness of the medication. Um, and yeah, it's broken down into right. each kind so of this, symptom. And this is not just the only assessment tool. You do other things. Or is this... You, that's our monitoring tool to just to help us get an indication for, at home and school. So um, usually in my clinic, um, lots of my patients have been on medication. So, for sorry, like, Ryan, let me understand that. Mm -hmm. Sorry. So this is a, this you you ask this question all about home and school, and then the, that's what you measure. And then one is measure and then it's clinical relevance. Mm -hmm. Then that's taken to the next step of the assessment. Yeah. So, um, what happens with the, with, particularly with these SNAP rating skills, and, and what we do in uh, where I work is, um, we would be um, assessing the effectiveness of the medication. So a teacher is going to complete the SNAP rating scale, and at home they're going to complete the parent, so the guardian uh -huh. is going to be completing the SNAP rating scale separately. It's the it's the exact same assessment. It's just getting the perspective from two different people. Right. And the reason for this, I guess we'll go into the medication now, is yeah, yeah. that um, medications to treat ADHD are usually stimulant medications. Uh, you have your methylphenidates uh, as the first line drug in, uh, used in um, young people in adolescence. Um, and uh, you can have uh, a, a immediate release, short acting ones, which last for up to four hours. Um, or you can have ones that are prolonged release, which last for longer than uh, the, the four hours. It gets very, I'm gonna get very technical with you now, but there's, uh, <laughs> okay. there's, there's a big number of different medications within the methylphenidates. Um, and we use their brand names um, to prescribe, which is okay. probably one of the only areas of me medicine to do this um, because each brand name releases the medication at a different rate over a right. different amount of time so and this is so so we won't go into naming or branding right yeah so yeah. this is what you're meaning is we sort of example so i'll give a, a there is uh antidepressants who have the generic mm -hmm. no let's go with uh paracetamol so yep. paracetamol is the na name of the drug that's the generic and then you have different yeah. Brands. So what yeah. you're going with because of the brand, because the brand itself is not because it's better, it's not because it's worse. It's a, it's always about the the release time. Yeah. 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 Right. So okay. um we have one that that's releases... really interesting from a mental health nursing sort of prescriber sort of area. Yeah, right? no, definitely. And and it's super important to how we treat people because uh, you have one that is the, the first probably prolonged release lasts up for eight hours uh, and it's 50% of the dose is given is basically as soon as you take the medication and then 50% of the dose is over the course of the eight hours. Um, whereas then the longest acting one, uh, the dose is released at 22% uh, straight away and then 78% over the course of 10 to 12 hours. Oh. So it's important to, for us to get a perspective of what's going on at home and what's going on at school. Quite often what you see is that when the medication is working and is effective, you see that the school rating scales are actually low. And then when the parents are given the rating scales, they're really high. 
because the parents are only seeing their their child uh, the before end. they've taken their medication uh, and when right. it's out of the system. Went to the system. Because I... this doesn't last, because they're stimulant medications, you can't give them to last late in the evening because it would impact on their sleep. And already, if you have ADHD, you uh, 50% of people with ADHD have a sleep disorder. Yeah, yeah. So it's yeah. it's really important uh, that yeah. we, we try to uh, right. support okay. that. So this is the medication is once you are diagnosed. diagnosed. Yeah. Right. How do you do the diagnosis? So, um, yeah, diagnosis in, and I guess it's, it's probably important to, to say this, is that lots of, maybe your listeners will be thinking, I struggle to focus sometimes. I struggle to maintain my attention. I can be forgetful. I lose my keys. Uh, I can, um, you know, sometimes feel really, really happy. And just, you know, they might be thinking, actually, some of the symptoms of ADHD I have. I think it's super important to say that lots of us will have symptoms of ADHD. But what separates the person, just somebody who doesn't have ADHD for somebody who does have ADHD is the level of impairment. Right. So yeah. how it impacts on your life. So it's um, sort of, um, it goes similar to when we speak about anxiety or other disorders, it's, a, it's more of a spectrum. It's more of a, a continuum. It's not mm-hmm. yes or no. It's more like you got zero to hundred and we all have a bit of it is where it goes to the point where your life is impaired. Yeah. Okay, that's really interesting. So uh, in order to, to kind of, to, I guess, uh, to go back to your question about how we, um, how we measure ADHD, what we yeah. look at with the, the diagnosis, uh, we take a full history of um, their um, like developmental history, their family history, because it's a strong family link. Um, we look at their school um, history and, you know, um, uh, maybe even mental health history. Um, and um, I think it's important to do, we'll touch upon the mental health stuff in, in a second. Um, but yeah, we, we'd, we'd complete, uh, do a complete history starting from, you know, what they're like at home, what they what they were like developmental were they low birth weight were they um so you will bring the family exactly right okay so the family will be yeah and i guess the factors that we spoke about earlier on the the kind of risk factors so the family link the um uh, the the we we look at their environment at home any stress and those types of factors and I think uh, a, a, an important point with uh, ADHD and, and kind of its diagnosis, um, seven, between five and seven percent of the population have ADHD. Um, okay. Between five and seven percent. So to give you a, a bit of context of that, um, it's four million people roughly in the UK have uh-huh. ADHD. Uh, and... Uh, we live in Wales, by my accent. Uh, Wales has a population of, what, 3.2 million people. Yeah. Um, so more than the people who live in Wales are diagnosed more with ADHD than. in the UK. Could, um, could or are, could be diagnosed. The, that's the, that's would the meet kind the of criteria. generic. Yeah, yeah, yeah would meet exactly. the criteria. Right, yeah. okay, yeah, yeah. We will always be meeting the criteria, yeah, yeah. So Which it's interesting. Yeah, so it's interesting how many of, uh, would meet the criteria, and then it makes you wonder how much of the impact is in their life, right? Mm-hmm. and how they perceived it. I think um, once you live with someone for a long time, I would think about pain. Sometimes you're so used to it, yeah. that you still can get through through day to day. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, they, and I think part of part of ADHD is, is, isn't about, it's not just about medication. We've spoken about that. It's uh, about the other support and actually learning a lot about yourself. Um, what makes you tick? What's the things that you find the pattern of you doing? And actually working with someone, whether it's your partner, your friend, your parents, or actually even better trained therapist or coach to help you identify areas of your life where you can just do put an intervention into place to help you with your symptoms of ADHD so it's not having that impact. Because um, there are lots of interventions out there that, that can help. And uh, some of the treatments, the recognized treatments for ADHD, one of the top ones is CBT. 
Right. Okay. So and we'll here as you, you take be, the floor. <laughs> I have I have not got uh, enough training, so uh, that would be. But I thank you for thank you for bringing me that. I uh, I have not done enough training, so that's really good. So let me understand. So you have enough family assessment. You have a sort of holistic, sort of uh, um, more of a historical assessment, and what happens then? Um, so. Uh, in my line of work, where, where I currently work, we don't assess, we're not the assessors of, of ADHD, um, but I am trained in assessing adults, what tends to, to happen in that field, so I can talk to you about that. Oh. Uh, we conduct the, uh, the assessment, we do a complete mental health uh, history, we, um, uh, as I say, look at your childhood, uh, your upbringing, literally ranging from when you were a fetus up until now no. um, and in kind of diagnosing ADHD uh, the symptoms have to be present before your 12th birthday uh, is one of the um. is part of the criteria and the um, the um, impairment uh, has to be across at least two different areas of your life uh, so it has to impact you across two different areas of your life and it has to be present both in childhood and adulthood so if you've got somebody who's potentially struggling with adhd symptoms and it's only impacting on, on them now in adulthood uh, without any kind of impact when they were younger it's not likely that they have adhd it's perhaps explained by another mental health disorder and lots of mental health disorders get mistaken uh, for yeah. ADHD and vice yeah. versa. So yeah. I, I think that's a good one to uh, talk about. Uh, people with borderline personality disorder, um, there's a big crossover of symptoms because one of the symptoms of ADHD... So just speak of that, Ryan. Yep. Uh, it's called U, U, UEPD, uh, yeah. Unstable Emotional uh, yeah. Personality, sort of, they change yeah. it. Um, yeah, I think it has I, changed, yeah. doesn't it? <laughs> it has changed. It has changed. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, thank you. Um, that's okay. So, no, no, no. It has changed. Um, yeah. So the uh, one of the symptoms of uh, ADHD is uh, emotional dysregulation. We call that part of the executive functioning skills uh, within ADHD. Uh, so they're unable to regulate their emotions, which we obviously see in personality disorder. Um, so that can be quite commonly uh, mistaken. But the reason why we take a full mental health uh, history um, is to kind of rule out uh, any other disorder explaining um, the, the, the current issues that they're having. Can it be better explained by another disorder other than ADHD? Um, okay. That's part of the criteria and the assessment that we look at. Um, on the topic of mental health, um, because it's so closely linked, research has just come out that tells us that if you have ADHD, you are five times more likely than somebody without ADHD uh, to have um, anxiety disorders. You're four times more likely to have depression. You're nine times more likely to be diagnosed with bipolar. You're five times more likely to have substance misuse and three times more likely to have an eating disorder. Oh, um, so okay. it's very closely linked across the spectrum of uh, different yeah. mental health disorders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's really um yeah it's interesting, isn't it? How uh, it's sort of understood when you think about any other. So I work a lot with anxiety, right? As my specialism and trauma, a uh, case of anxiety, there is an overlap. Mm -hmm. There is no as much as uh, there is the diagnosis criteria. It's more likely that it's going to be comorbidity than not. Mm -hmm. And it is really uh, one of the main of the, my, uh, anyway, without going into detail, one of the most of the research I did when I was uh, studying was about generalized anxiety disorder and OCD. Mm -hmm. Very difficult to disentangle sometimes. So yeah. they are very, so I, it, it's really, I think it's misunderstood. Uh, it's really misunderstood the yes or no big box that is yeah. in reality we don't see it in practice do we that yeah, doesn't well, really no, happen exactly. we yeah. don't 
Even the lines are blurred, aren't they? Yeah, when, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. When, when you're looking at somebody as a person and yeah. what they're experiencing, because yeah. we talk about a cluster of symptoms, but then even those symptoms are always on a spectrum. Yeah. Um, you know, so um, and like you, you spoke about this earlier on in terms of language. Um, language, I always find, is a funny thing because um, we know the word for anger, but our experience of anger will be different. You know, so it's always on a spectrum of things. We yeah. know the words for different things to kind of be able to communicate with each other, but actually our experience of it will be different. Yeah. Uh, we know the word of anxiety, but my anxiety and your anxiety will yeah. be completely different. Our yeah. experience of it will, what it means to us, how it affects us is always different. So that it's the same. We're looking at a set of symptoms. We're calling it a name, but they're always on a spectrum and it's always individual to that person who's trying to understand um, you know, that is part of the therapy, isn't it? Yeah. Trying to understand how it's impacting on them, what it means to them, and um, yeah. how and, we can and, and the normalization of the of the experience. Sometimes, yeah. uh, sometimes we cannot know everything, right? So sometimes mm -hmm. normalizing the fact that this is something that five to seven percent of the people would experience. It makes a difference to say, oh yeah, so this is what it feels like. This is this is part of it. So that's really good. That, that's yeah. really good. So it sounds that you do the assessment for the adults. You've been trained for that, mm -hmm. and that sounds like it's very lengthy assessment. Yeah, yeah. And now, now this is leading me to my question about. Mm -hmm. I the, knew it was <laughs> <laughs> uh, the TV program, which uh, mm -hmm. for any listeners that they are not based in UK. So this is the BBC or the British Broadcast Corporation had a it's a TV series called Panorama, not TV series like a docu series called Panorama, and it was ADHD online assessments. So, um, what was your take? Have you have you watched it? Yes. So it so was titled. It was actually titled something along the lines of private a exposing private ADHD clinics. Right. Okay. Um, or private ADHD clinics exposed. Yeah. Uh, so that was the title of the documentary and I did watch it and uh, I guess I've got mixed feelings towards it. <laughs> okay. um, and I, I'll elaborate on those. I think um, the first thing is, is that uh, documentaries like this can be very damaging. We've already spoke about a... Uh, a mental health condition, a registered disability, uh, recognized disability, uh, being a taboo topic, having a lot of stigma focused around it. And then you've got this TV program, which has created more of that. And you've seen, I've seen the fallout in my practice where GP, GPs are now refusing to prescribe um, okay. for ADHD medications. Um, and is this when 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 assessed in private clinics? Yes, right. when assessed okay. in private clinics. But okay. I'll put I'll say this to you: um, my mother has uh, gone private to see a cardiologist um, because she's has some issues with her heart. She paid privately to go to a private clinic. Um, she got diagnosed with a heart arrhythmia. They put her on some medication. It went to the GP. Did the GP say actually I want you to be seen in the NHS? And you must join the back of the queue now in that NHS waiting list. I don't care that you've just spent a couple of hundred really, pounds. Very valid point. Being very valid point. Um, very valid they, point. they don't. And I think the thing is, is that you had a journalist and it was lots of journalistic bias in there. I don't want to spoil it for anyone who hasn't seen it. But what happened was he approached somebody, a doctor in the NHS who was diagnosing people with ADHD. He turned up with his camera crew and he said, I'm doing a... I'm, I'm doing a, a documentary on ADHD. Will you assess me, please? Now, hi, me. <laughs> I can categorically tell you if somebody came to me, if you were to film my assessment, it, I would, it would be the best assessment I've ever done in my life because I would be so nervous about, <laughs> about I must being say, watched, um, right? So uh, fed up, uh, re registered and approved therapies like myself, we actually need to be recording our sessions. Yeah. There is a lot of research uh, that when we record our sessions, we change our behavior uh -huh. yeah because exactly. you're already thinking i'll be assessed i'll be judged on this yes and there is yeah. a lot of research so well picked up on that so uh so registered therapies and myself we need to be recording tapes yeah and 
some I had feedback from some people saying, oh, it was a bit different today. And it's like, well, I cannot even see it myself, right? Yeah. It's because I had a good relationship with a person mm-hmm. and they tell you anything. Well, yeah, it must have changed, right? Because yeah. you you would do it. You, it's just yeah. automatically. Today, we, you and I were interacting differently, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Because that's, we're that's, friends outside of yeah. this. And yeah. Um, yeah. our language to each other is different. And uh, our, okay. we so you see, you, you then, if you were, yeah. <laughs> so if you were to do the assessment, it wouldn't. Uh, so if you would think about uh, an NHS assessment, if you go, it would be uh, different from what it was in the documentary the sort of the private clinic some of it was shown and it was very yes. poor quality with the standards and perhaps it wouldn't be that heightened uh three hours assessment or four hours or uh, yeah the yeah, other ones so it would be for, okay for sure i think so he went there he, he told the doctor this is what i'm doing the doctor assessed him came out that he didn't have adhd and then he went to two or three different private clinics and didn't give them the same upfront information um it turns out, and he did expose that actually some of the practice of those people yeah. was poor, and yeah. it was poor. You, I can't defend that, but everywhere uh, in any service, and it can be NHS, you can receive poor practice. You can have somebody there who doesn't mm. want to be there, uh, who is yeah. you know disgruntled with the job and and isn't doing it yeah. for the right reasons. You see that in the NHS. You see it in private practice. I don't think it should be a complete. Um, blanket kind yeah. of rule, tar and everyone with the same brush it's, um, practice. I think we go into the example of your of your mother. I think the accountability of uh, finding someone online and doing an assessment that they may be they don't have proof or remote or, or show of of um, uh, especially one one of uh, one of the people they they uh, they they went through they didn't it looked quite not professional and there is no accountability from that perspective i think going to a institution let's say you would go to a hospital for a heart uh, i think that it has the background and that what it may be the difference you know it may, it yeah, may be i i agree but i also i, I also don't because actually the, the person who did the assessment you can have you have to be a, um, a psychologist or a nurse to, to be able to do the assessment. So she yeah. was a psychologist. Now, psychology, I'm not, I'm not particularly up on who they're accountable to, but if it's a registered nurse, H- you have H- the same. B- HPs, uh, HCPs. Yeah. So, so yeah. we know as yeah. being registered N- mental health NMC. nurses, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we've got the NMC. It's the same code of conduct. It's the same professional yeah. practice. And then she, then they went through to a consultant psychiatrist, who I guess has taken the information and gone, yeah, sure, they've got ADHD, and he's offered him medication because it's the first line kind of option in uh, yeah. uh, first line in children. It's second line in adults. Uh, second line in adults is it yeah, uh-huh. yeah. cbt is, is is first line that's what that, uh, the nice guidelines so nice guidelines yeah. for uh whoever doesn't know is the national institute for healthcare uh excellence i think they changed the name it used to be national institute of uh, clinical excellence yeah sorry it's 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 first line in adults second line in children sorry uh, jaime i was saying it it's it's first line in adults drugs are First Drugs. line in adults, second line in in children. Uh, so the CBT will be for children. CBT and yeah. group therapy and just uh, right. psychotherapy, um, okay. giving them um, just kind of advice, you know, um, psychosocial okay. advice. Psychosocial. Um, but uh, yeah, so the um, the documentary that came out obviously highlighted and and showed uh, that people weren't spending too long. Uh, on the assessment, although they didn't, you know, they didn't really show the contents of the assessment. Um, you might have somebody like we're looking at uh, looking at rating scales and uh, you know assessment tools, yeah. and you might have somebody who's not really engaging. You might be giving them the impression that he's completely, you know, distracted and they're struggling to get through the assessment because he's giving one word one word answers. You yeah. know, he's saying yes to everything and just like looking out the window or can you repeat that. And, you know, we might get through the assessment pretty quickly on that basis. Mm. Um, I, I'd imagine he was very different when he saw the... the okay. The, the... Okay. Well, well, we have touched, and I think you have, you, you made a good point. We are all accountable. So 
Uh, for the other business, uh, I would say um, if you're going to look for someone uh, who does assessments, I would always check what regulatory body they follow. And from uh, nursing is the NMC, psychologist, HCPC, um, the General Medical Council, GMC, and so on and so forth. Um, likewise with therapists, so I'm uh, uh, you can you can check the BABCP, the BACP, the UKCP, and there are other ones. So you need to check who you are seeing and make sure that they are registered with a, um, a governing body. Okay, and there are plenty of them in UK, and and no one will not give you the number. So if you were to ask Ryan or myself. We will give you that number and you can go in the NMC website and you see the our name. It's absolutely no, no, no covered. We are we are supposed to give it, right? We You've actually we... seen my full name on the NMC register. <laughs> yeah. Which is long. <laughs> Very long. Yeah. So um, okay. So yeah, so we know that um there is bad practice everywhere where you go. There is, uh, and also we know that internet is uh, sometimes um, a lot of information that is not reliable from that perspective. Mm -hmm. So we need to be very, very, very kind, very, very mindful of this. Right? Yeah. Okay. So thank you for giving us your take on that. Yes, um, right. So you mentioned medication, first trained line for treatment and it depends on medications is sort of the, the half life, not the half life, the, the, the sort of release Mm -hmm. then CBT second line or uh, sort of yeah and so treatment on the whole treatment should be um, not just singular medication and, and and or you know CBT on its own when we're looking at treatment for ADHD we know that it's a multimodal approach so you're giving them some life advice you're giving them some guidance you're mm -hmm. C CBT you can get them to practice mindfulness and other kind of talking therapies as well, okay. uh, as well as uh, medication, if that's if that's chosen. Is that Certainly in my clinics, I give them advice about, you know, uh, if they're forgetting things or if they're constantly losing things in the house and they spend 10 or 20 minutes searching for their keys and their wallet and their phone, um, that, you know, I give them some interventions there in, in my consultation yeah, room. Very so, practical things. Yeah, it's a multimodal approach. It's not just one thing, but the medications are some of the most effective medications out there. Um, I, I should have, I should have looked at this. We, we, we don't want, we don't want names. I don't want to give names. No, no, that's fine. No, that's no, fine. No, no, no. Um, we, I should have looked at the, um, the, 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 the facts, um, you know, to, to, to fact check it uh, before I, before I say to you, but they, they are, uh, really effective medications that have been around for a number of number of years um okay. and uh yeah it's it, they have good treatment outcomes for for patients um and it's not a kind of blanket approach with the medications um some people just take them for school and college oh. and and work and then have the weekends off or if they okay. only work three days they just take it for the three days okay. Um, and, you know, and as we know from some of the psychiatric medication, uh, has it, do they have any long-term uh, side effects or side effects that people might not be aware of or they don't, you know, uh, some of the antidepressants or some of the antipsychotics that have quite uh, unpleasant second uh, side effects? What about ADHD medication? Yeah, I think that just the, the nature of it being um, a stimulant medication that if you take it for a long period of time and then it's abruptly stopped, um, you know, that, that people can, uh, there is an element of that they can get addicted to these medications. I think it's important to say that. Um, it, it's not particularly common because they don't get any, we're using stimulant medications and the, the, the drug compound name of one of those stimulant medications is Liz Dexamphetamine. And when people hear that, they think, oh, amphetamines. Um, and okay. they'll think about, you know, the recreational use of that when actually it has the paradoxical effect of people for people with an ADHD, 
rather than stimulating you, it actually calms you down. It's the paradoxal effect. So that's how the medications work. So, um, but there's also the really common side effects of uh, of the stimulant medications is a suppressed appetite. Um, okay. So people tend to not eat whilst um, the 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 drug uh, compound is present um, and and effective in their bloodstream. Once it's worn off, they then tend to kind of be able to catch up with their, their appetites. Um, but something that we keep a really good eye on um, because actually at least once a year, you need your height, weight, blood pressure and pulse monitored. Um, right. And again, because they are stimulant medications and quite strong stimulants, uh, it can increase your blood pressure. So we keep a, a close eye on, on, on blood that. pressure. Okay, um, so certainly you will need a medical review once a year. Definitely, yeah. Yeah, so if, if you were to be prescribed, then your GP would sort of give you a call and said, is your time to, to come back? Okay. Yeah, uh, yeah. If, it, okay. if they're under shared care, the GP would uh, continue to prescribe. Shared care is a um, Wales, isn't it? Yeah, it's, uh, yes, in England, it's called, what is it? Uh, I think it's like an op something option. I speak option. to my colleagues in okay. England. It's called it's, uh, My Choice. My choice is it first choice? Uh, it's something choice. Okay, yeah. <laughs> choice option. I'm not so sure. They're the same thing. Yeah. So um, there will be, yeah. So it will be whatever your base. It will be one, one, one way or another one. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And what about? So I, I was. Uh, so a few weeks ago, someone suggested or uh, requested or asked about uh, supporting people in sort of employer with anxiety and what about mental health. So I thought. Is there anything that you think employers could do uh, to support adults with ADHD or any uh, neurodivergent employees? So um, I think the first thing is, and this is across the board with mental health, I think education. Having an understanding of mental health disorders and how that might impact their employees uh, and how they work, and certainly at work. Um, so I think education is the biggest uh, is the biggest thing. Having an understanding of ADHD uh, will help people, will help employers, help their employees. So when we look at ADHD, we've spoken about um, we've spoken about the inability to pay attention, complete tasks, and those sorts of things. So having some flexibility in terms of their work schedules can be can be helpful uh, with uh, ADHD. And then other interventions that if they if they do struggle to sit, having standing desks, um, okay. having private workstations so they're not distracted. You can have sort of noise cancelling headphones again to stop them from being distracted by outside kind of stimulus that helps them focus okay. on their work. Um, so I think uh, distractions and interruptions and minimizing those can be really beneficial to uh, people with um ADHD, um, but also communicating quite clearly uh, and effectively the, the the expectations of the workload, and giving clear okay. and concise deadlines um, can be really helpful. Uh, and you know, certainly giving deadlines to to, to somebody with uh, ADHD, um, just so they know, and maybe even breaking down the tasks into much smaller tasks. Uh, the reason why that's helpful when we look at kind of a neurological aspect um, is that when we complete a task, we release dopamine. Uh, oh, dopamine okay. is important with ADHD. The, the reason why somebody may have ADHD, one of the thoughts is that um, your the upregulation of dopamine isn't working or they don't have enough as a, a dopamine deficiency. Um, so complete a task, complete in smaller tasks. It keeps that little, it's, it's, a, it's called dopamine chasing. That's what people uh -huh. with ADHD tend to do is to chase dopamine, which is why then uh, there's a good likelihood or a, an increased likelihood, sorry, um, that you, if you have ADHD, some people have um, binge eating disorders because they're looking for the dopamine fix, the dopamine chase oh, from chocolates uh, and crisps <laughs> and okay. foods. So you usually get those from really sugary foods. Um, okay. And um, yeah, there's a, there's a so big Having those short uh, goals, the short sort of breaking it down, which sort of exactly. have an effect. 
exactly i got a task got there achieved it that's good let's go for the next one let's go for the next one exactly so shortening down those tasks and i think some companies you know it's like uh, we speak to plenty of, of our, our clients and patients who have stress at work. And usually it's because the expectations are too high and they've been asked to do too much. Yeah. And people tend to go, uh, and especially yeah. with uh, ADHD, it's, they might just be unable to complete each task. So it's, you know, lots of partially finished. So, but if you shorten the tasks, they're more likely to finish and complete it and move on to the next. So that's a really big help for- Oh, sounds um, really good. For, for work. And easy to do, I would have thought in employment, right? Exactly, yeah. 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 So, straightforward. you know, having it there and maybe having somebody to just give them gentle reminders and, and you know, to, to keep them there on focus and um, have that understanding. But I think the really important one is uh, ed- to be educated themselves and finally to support your employees with mental health offer them um help and support uh, maybe you know even speaking to therapists offer them that therapy um yeah. because ultimately it's going to help you and as we spoke earlier on if you get it right with adhd and if you find their specialist topic and their real hyper focus and drive and energy That'd can be, be so beneficial to somebody excelling excelling exactly really good okay Thank you, Ryan. Thank you for, uh, it's been very interesting. It's been very good about learning. I will have to check what the nice guideline says about CBT and other therapists uh, because I am not, uh, so I have no done any training and so on, but it'd be, it'd be good for me to have a bit of a read through. Uh, it's been very interesting. Thank you for joining in this podcast. And uh, It's probably been uh, your longest one. Um, <laughs> I think uh, it could be. Uh, usually, when I bring when I bring a guest, it tends between forty five sort of sixty minutes. But it's it's really good. I I prefer the. I think I myself I prefer the shorter, more focused task. Yeah. But but we are all different, and that's a good thing. So, thank you for everyone for here for listening to the program, and thank you for uh, joining in. If you got any question, just remember you can drop a line on podcast at online com. You can also check, I'm going to put a, some questions uh, and some polls. So please feel free to answer those. And uh, yeah, and we'll see you next in our next podcast. Okay, thank you very much.